0: Can anybody be trusted? Do you ever find yourself asking that question? I mean, every week there seems to be some revelation of a new scandal. News of a a new story involving someone in a position that should be held in honor. It begins to sully your view of people. And maybe especially of people in power. And it only worsens when those people never get their due. They operate under some sort of immunity with no real punishments. A slap on the wrist, a fine, maybe removal from office, but to retreat to some resort or island. Justice is seemingly never served to the powerful. Or is it? That's what we'll consider this morning in our passage in Micah's prophecy. So, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Micah chapter three? Micah chapter three. If you need a Bible again, there's some in the back, and you probably don't need the table of contents to find Micah unless you are just an Old Testament whiz. Micah is right after Jonah, right before Nahum, right after those big prophetic books of. Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah Micah chapter 3 We'll look at all 12 verses this morning And I said Hear you heads of Jacob And rulers of the house of Israel Is it not for you to know justice You who hate the good and love the evil Who tear the skin from off my people And their flesh from off their bones Who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Mm. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace. When they have something to eat But declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths Therefore it shall be night to you without vision And darkness to you without divination The sun shall go down on the prophets And the day shall be black over them The seers shall be disgraced And the diviners shall be put to shame They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. Who build Zion with blood And Jerusalem with iniquity Its heads give judgment For pride Its priests teach For price Its prophets practice divination For money Yet They lean on the Lord And say is not the Lord In the midst of us No disaster shall come upon us Therefore because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins And the mountain of the house a wooded heights You just walk through this passage You see that it's about a judgment against leaders But I think it's striking to, to, to note And we need important to note That this passage is not an all-out attack on leadership Leadership in and of itself as a concept is not bad Amen. God leads, God appoints leaders What's being criticized here is the abuse of leadership Mm. It's bad leaders, the misuse of authority That's what Micah is calling out in this text And so here's what I think is the main point of this passage The main point of Micah chapter 3 Authority is a gift from God Mm. To be used for the glory of God And the good of God's people But when abused Incurs God's judgment Say that again Authority is a gift from God To be used for the glory of God And the good of God's people but when abused, incurs God's judgment. Right, if you got a little fragments of that, just look with a friend. Maybe you guys can figure it all out and piece it together and get that whole sentence. As we walk through this text, we'll, we'll see judgment pronounced against three groups of people for misusing, for abusing their authority. Number one, we'll see judgment against judicial leaders. We see that in verses one through four. Number two, we see judgments against religious leaders. We see that in verses five through eight. And number three, we see judgment against all corrupt leaders. We see that in verses nine through 12. So, point number one judgment against judicial leaders, verses one through four. Number two, judgment against religious leaders. We see that in verses five through eight. And then point number three judgment against all corrupt leaders. We'll see that in verses 9 through 12 Point number 1 Judgment against judicial leaders Micah begins Verse 1 Hear you heads of Jacob And rulers of the house of Israel If you look carefully through this book You'll see that Micah uses that Call to attention there here, to mark off Three separate cycles Of judgment and deliverance You see it in chapter 1 Verse 2 Hear you peoples, all of you As Micah goes on to pronounce judgment against Samaria and Jerusalem We see it here in chapter 3 verse 1 As Micah pronounces judgment against unjust leaders We see it again in chapter 6 verse 1 As Micah again indicts the people Hear what the Lord has to say It's a summons for God's people to listen up Hmm. To pay attention To hear It's a word that should perk up in Israel's ears It should cause their minds To go back to an earlier instance When they were instructed to hear In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 The great Shema The Hebrew word for hear The people are instructed Hear O Israel For the Lord our God The Lord is one And you shall love the Lord your God With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Well now, years later, Micah is calling God's people to hear again. Not simply to remind them about what they should do, but to rebuke them because they haven't done what they should do. They have not loved the Lord with all their hearts. Instead, they've loved idols and loved possessions and loved power and loved positions. While despising God And discriminating against God's people And God Through his prophet has a word for them A word against them Hear you heads of Jacob And all the rulers of the house of Israel Now who are these heads These rulers here Well they're a reference to the civic and judicial leaders Responsible for administering Just judgments among the people And we first read about their presence Back in Exodus chapter 18 Where Moses' father-in-law Jethro Sees Moses judging all the cases And disputes in Israel alone And and Jethro tells Moses You're going to kill yourself at this place Mm. Right And so so he tells them in verse 21 In Exodus chapter 18 Look for able men from all the people Men who fear God Who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, And let them judge the people at all times we read a few verses later, starting at verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over all the people. And they judged the people at all times. Well, here in Micah chapter three, verse one, we read that these heads, these judicial rulers have gone bad. So then Micah has to ask Is it not for you to know justice? Mm. The answer of course is yes They were the ones raised up For the very purpose of ensuring The equitable treatment of all people As God's image bearers Under the standard of God's law Mm. That's what justice is The equitable treatment of all people As God's image bearers And yet that's not what marked these rulers The right treatment of people and the right judgments in their cases According to God's righteous standards Instead What did mark them What defined them Well look at verse 2 Their moral compass Was so compromised That they hated good And loved evil Just listen to the strong terms there Hated good Loved evil Friends, there's no middle ground Although that makes us feel better To think so The Bible presents things in absolute terms You either love God Or you hate him You either love sin or you hate it You either love good or you hate good You either love evil Or you hate evil That's right. These rulers Probably wouldn't have put things In these terms Wouldn't have described themselves like this But based on their practices, according to Micah, according to God, this is a fitting description for them. Mm. I think it makes the point. Show me how you live Mm. and I'll show you what you love. Mm. Friends, we all want to believe that we're better than we actually are. But our actions reveal Mm. our hearts. How we act isn't random can't be attributed ultimately to outside factors. What he or she did to me, or how we grew up. No, our conduct shows our character, Amen. who we really are and what we really value. Friends, that's why what we need is not simply to clean up a few bad habits or drop a few bad influences. What we need to be cleansed of is a bad heart. And only God can do that. And he starts by showing you where your problem is inside of you. Why do I constantly lie, constantly cheat, constantly steal, constantly lust? God's answer, both then and now, because you love evil and hate good. These rulers had be, had come to be known not for good just judgments based on Yahweh's law, but for evil, unjust rulings and practices based on their own longings and desires. They were the legal arm, supporting the, the wicked land grabbers that we read about last week. In Micah chapter 2, we read of those who were powerful in Israel, coveting and taking the lands of those less powerful, more vulnerable. And those victims. Whose land was taken Their only course of action Their last line of defense Was to go to these civic rulers These leaders, these judges here In chapter 3 for help But in the place of judgment Of justice All they found Was more oppression More greed More mistreatment Instead of helping the people The rulers helped themselves to the people They used their power to strong arm the people To legally take what they wanted And probably getting a kickback From the powerful land grabbers for their efforts I mean notice down in verse 11 We read that these heads Give judgment for a bribe The weak and the vulnerable Could plead their case all they wanted Whoever paid the most Was who got the favorable judgment these judges were just like the land grabbers, feeding off the people. Yeah. And just notice the vivid imagery that Micah gives to describe their actions in, in verses 2 and 3. They tear the skin off my people and their flesh off their bones. Yeah. They eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. What's going on here? <laughs> Are these people cannibals too? Well, no, these leaders aren't being judged here for literally eating people. It's symbolic language, language we often see in prophetic writings. We see the same thing in in, in poetry, in in, in passages like Psalm chapter 14, verse four, where we read the evildoers eat up my people as they eat bread. The evil is likened to eating people just as they might eat bread. It's the same here. And this is not a literal eating of the flesh or chopping up of bodies, but it's like that. we need to pay careful attention here. Micah uses the most graphic imagery of one of the most stomach turning, heinous acts, cannibalism, to describe injustice. Mm-hmm. And it's not Micah being extra. It's him showing how serious and vile it is to use your power and position to oppress and marginalize the weak. Amen. With this language here, God, through Micah, is trying to awaken the consciousness of these rulers to the grotesqueness of their actions. And he means to do the same for us. You know, I think we've created These little cute, neat categories for serious sins and not so serious sins. Murder, rape, abortion, really serious sins that we really need to avoid and that we really need to call out and fight against. But injustice, oppression, misuse of power, less serious sins. If sins at all, more social issues than anything else. I mean you hear it even in legal terminology Something like cannibalism Is worthy of capital punishment But using your power To defraud To steal That's more a white collar crime Mm. Mm. But with this imagery here I think we get a small snapshot Of how big The difference is between how we See our sins And how God sees our sins There are no white collar sins in God's eyes. Injustice is not trivial in God's sight. It's as monstrous as ferociously tearing people apart and feasting on them. Friends, God sees our sins, all of them as horrific. It's like perhaps when you were in the world, getting drunk. You had no idea the kind of person you were under the influence. When you got saved And went to a party or get together sober And saw all the other people Around you drunk You had the clarity of mind to see how wicked it all was mm. Who are these people? Why are they acting like this? But well, that's how God sees our sin As an absolutely Holy Perfect and pure God He sees the utter wretchedness displayed in all our sins against him and against people made in his image. Mm. And part of our maturing as Christians is seeing sin the way God sees it. Seeing the sin of injustice the way God sees it. Seeing all sin the way God sees it. It should give us a greater hatred for sin. And a greater appreciation for the gospel Amen. Because as Tim Keller puts it We realize that we are far worse Than we ever imagined Amen. We are moral monsters But far more loved And accepted in Jesus Christ Than we ever dared hope Amen. As horrible as our sin is In love God sent his son Jesus Christ To die for our sins yes. He Who knew absolutely no sin became grotesque sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died and rose again so that we might not be characterized or captive to sin and injustice, but that we might be made new creations in him. That we might love good and hate evil. That we might love and pursue justice and despise injustice. We might use our authority to build up And not tear down God's words here are meant To to wake us all up Listen to Hear what he has to say He's put these Judicial leaders here on notice He sees the way They're ruthlessly treating his people And he will respond He will Judge them if they don't Stop And how would he judge them? We'll look at verse 4 With silence A day would come A day of destruction When God would send enemies to come And snatch lands and protections possessions From them And these rulers would cry out To help from the Lord They'd be similar to how the, the vulnerable landowners Who were getting their lands snatched away Cried to these judges for help And what will God do? Respond to them just as the judges responded to the people. He would not answer them, would not show mercy to them. Instead, because of their evil deeds, God would turn his face away at their time of distress. What a scary judgment. Friends, I hope we don't only think of God's judgment as this kind of dramatic fire and brimstone event at the final day. There's another more immediate judgment of God sending trouble your way and then him turning away, refusing to help you. Though you constantly cry out to him, he will treat you the way you treat others. The only recourse is for you to cry out to him now in repentance and faith. Turn to the Lord and cry out for mercy through Jesus Christ that you might not meet his judgment These leaders needed to repent of their unjust judgments and their actions And unless they did, God would not relent at their time of judgment They were put on notice here But there's a second group of leaders that God levels charges against in this passage as corruption is not only found in the social and judicial realm, but in the spiritual realm as well. We'll see point number two judgments against religious leaders. A judgment against religious leaders. Again, we see a specific group of people singled out here. In verse one, it was the heads and rulers. Here in verse five, it's the prophets. And again, God has a charge against those who were supposed to lead his people. These prophets lead, but in the wrong direction. They lead God's people astray. It's a stinging indictment. I mean, the prophet's job description was to lead God's people back to God, back to covenant faithfulness to God. Instead, these prophets lead the people further away from God They were supposed to be the mouthpieces for God Authorized to speak for him They were the ones who would bring the Thus says the Lord pronouncements But they've come to care less about what the Lord wants And what the Lord says And more about what they want And what they're willing to say to get it the second half of verse five says they cry or proclaim peace, shalom, all is well when they have something to eat. It's a reference and not simply to, to having normal food to sustain them. It's a reference to what people can give them. I mean, consider the, the larger context. We just read up in verse 3 of the corrupt rulers and judges Who eat the flesh of the people Who feast off the people who take what they have Here we learn that the prophets are in on the practice If you offer them what they want Some money, maybe a piece of land They will tell you what you want to hear You need a word of hope How much do you have to offer? Mm. A word of comfort gonna cost you. Mm. You want God to prosper, you will first prosper me. Mm. You wanna know God's will for your life? Mm. Well, how much are you willing to pay to find out? Mm. Slip me a little cash, make a special donation, pledge a certain amount, sow a little seed and you can get God's blessing. And promises of peace and prosperity and posterity And and perpetual pleasures and a pain-free life But if you don't give Either because you don't have it to give Or you refuse to give If as the end of verse 5 says You put nothing in these prophets' mouths Or their pockets If you don't feed their greed Then their disposition and message totally changes Then they use their office And their power And in claiming to speak for God They declare war against you God is against you God is mad at you God is going to judge you And send you to hell Why? Because you don't contribute To the lavish lifestyle of God's prophet Reminds me of a sad account Where A well-known prosperity preacher in Atlanta Told a woman who just miscarried her baby That God killed her child Because she didn't tithe enough Sickened you, doesn't it? These prophets then and many pastors now Are nothing more than pulpit pimps Prostituting people and perverting their office To make themselves rich Amen. Now how do I try to guard myself against this kind of thing? It's not that I don't think that I have the propensity to sin in wicked ways I know the heart can be deceitful and wicked yes. But one way I try to guard against this is by not knowing what you all give I, I know the basic overall amount of what's given Kevin and Colette, our, our treasurers do a good, good job letting me know that and, and I want to promote us giving I want to encourage us to give generously and freely as a congregation That's a duty the Bible lays on us Amen And we want to do more ministry. We want to do outreaches to the community. We we, we want to support and send missionaries overseas. We want to support discipleship in our own congregation and, and, and provide discipling resources. We want to be good stewards of our building and our land. We want to see the word faithfully proclaimed. And so I'm grateful to be able to be set aside full time to do the work of the ministry here. It takes money for all those things. Money we get from our giving as a church. And I praise God for your faithful and generous giving. But I don't know what any individual gives from week to week or month to month or year to year. And I don't want to know. Because I don't want to be tempted even in the slightest to have someone who gives richly and I know about it. And so then that keeps me from calling sin, sin, when I see it in your life. Mm-hmm. It makes me your puppet, mm-hmm. a slave to your desires and your wishes, saying only what you want to hear and not what God in his word commands me to say. Amen. Because I think I need your money mm-hmm. in order to keep our church afloat and to keep, in order to keep myself employed. Mm-hmm. Saints, I don't want to be that kind of pastor and you don't want that kind of pastor Amen. Pray that I would shepherd the flock of God here Not eager for gain You can pray the same for other pastors That uh, Lord willing he'll raise up here Pray the Lord would guard their hearts from greed Pray that we would shepherd the flock of God here Willingly as God would have us For his glory and your good And not for our gain The prophetic office in Israel Had been polluted And the prophetic voice perverted The prophets did not Faithfully speak for God The result God's judgment He would no longer Speak to them Let's look at verse 6 Therefore Because of these False prophets practices It shall be night to you Without vision And darkness to you without divination God would go dark They would receive no visions from him Verse 7 says the the seers Another word for prophets Shall be disgraced The diviners put to shame They shall cover their lips Have nothing to say Mm. Why? Because God has nothing to say Mm. Look at the last line of verse 7 It's the same form of judgment we saw up in verse 4 God will not answer them God will stop speaking Will ignore them Heaven will turn hard and God will turn silent What judgments? I mean, especially for a prophet The one who's supposed to receive supernatural revelation from God And speak for God to his people No longer hears from him They will be disgraced Shamed I mean what kind of prophet Can't prophesy How can you say thus says The Lord when you don't know what the Lord Says These leaders who led Israel Astray Will themselves be like men groping In the dark Lost Because they no longer hear from God Friends, that's how we all are though In the dark Lost Apart from God hmm. That's why we need God's word Amen. To give us light In the very beginning It was God's word that brought light Into darkness hmm. Hmm. And we still need God's word To show us the way to go And how to live Amen. Psalm 119 and 105 says Your word hmm. is a lamp Unto my feet and a light unto my path. A few verses later in Psalm 119, 130 the unfolding of your words give light. I'll mm. well, we take time on Sunday mornings preaching hour long messages. Not because I don't. I just love talking. Maybe that's true, but it's because we need to hear God's word unfolded. Amen. By me Amen. or any other man who takes his pulpit, we need to hear the word. Amen. Yeah. It's imperative that we listen to God's words. Mm. And we do that today by looking into God's word To see what he's like and what we should be like Don't despise the light of God's word and deny it In favor of the false flickers of light and life That your own words and your own wishes offer You know, as we look around at the the many, many prosperity preachers in our county And in our country With a naked eye, it seems like they're doing just fine, doesn't it? I mean, especially look at the the big names. They certainly don't look like they're under God's judgment. I mean, if you listen to them, we're the ones with our little budgets and our limited resources who are under judgment. Unless you read verses like this. That God's judgment is seen in people no longer hearing from him and speaking for him No wonder then that so many preachers open up the Bible to one verse mm. Then quickly close it to go off and talk about whatever they want mm. That's all they can talk about mm. They certainly can't talk about God Well, He seems to have shut his voice from off them And allowed them to listen to their own voices Longing for gain and fame from people Regardless of how it looks on the outside, of how polished their messages and smiley their faces, they are being judged. Amen. But praise God that He does not leave Himself without a true witness. Amen. Amen. After condemning these false prophets in verses five through seven, Micah says in verse eight, But as for me, I am filled with power. With the spirit of the Lord and with Mm. justice and might To declare to Jacob his transgression Mm. And to Israel his sin Mm. Uh, Micah distinguishes himself from these make-believes He is filled with true power Not the kind of power you think money and and a platform give you Mm. Twitter followers and TV appearances No, the power of the almighty Holy Spirit is in this man Mm. That's what he's filled with the transforming power of the Spirit of God is in him. Yeah. And what's the sign of the Spirit's presence? Mm. Not unintelligible utterances, mm. not uncontrollable movements, mm. but unmistakable godliness All right. and an uncompromising message. Amen. Yeah. Micah, unlike his false contemporaries, is a man of justice and might yeah. to stand up for those being treated unjustly and to stand up to those who are oppressing them. He declares, proclaims, speaks clearly about the clear sin of Israel's leaders, of their injustice and greed, and cahoots with the rulers to keep the people down. Micah is the true prophet who truly speaks for God, showing what God demands for his people to lead for his leaders to lead people back to him Not away from him Back to his covenant and its obligations To care For the weak mm. The oppressed, yeah. the vulnerable To love the Lord their God With all their hearts And to love their neighbor mm. As their self mm. well, That's what a true Spirit filled ministry looks like In our day as well to stand for and proclaim The truth of God's word And call sinners to obey it, Both in their obligations To God And to those made in his image Amen. You see how Incredibly different the ministries of Micah and these other prophets were Where they cried Peace Promised favorable outcomes based on What people could give them Micah proclaimed sin where it needed to be called out Regardless of what happens to him Well there's an even greater contrast That we need to make here Not simply between these false prophets and Micah But between these false prophets And the ultimate true prophet Who was coming into the world mm. The greatest prophet Jesus Christ mm. Who was prophet, priest, and king Amen He came and he too proclaimed peace but not when people gave him something but he gave himself to make peace true peace Jesus Christ died for the unrighteous for the unjust to satisfy the justice of God he died on the cross to satisfy God's wrath against sinners like us so that we might have and enjoy true peace and reconciliation with God Amen. And we can only have it If we listen To God's true voice this morning mm. If we turn from our sins And trust in Christ We can have God's peace And not his punishment this morning mm. His mercy and not his judgment yes. Want to know more about what that looks like Talk to someone around you after service And finally at the door We'd love to talk with you more about How you can experience a true And not a phony peace mm. Third and lastly in this passage, we see a more widespread judgment pronounced. Point number three, judgment against all corrupt leaders. Judgment against all corrupt leaders. In verse nine, we we see similar to verse one, a call against the heads of the house of Israel, or Jacob, and the rulers of the house of Israel. And their problem is outlined again, here in more direct language. In verse 1, it was introduced with a rhetorical question. Is it not for you to know justice? Here, the problem, the charge, is laid out more plainly. You detest justice. You hate it. You make what's right wrong. You make what's straight crooked. Or your unjust verdicts and practices. They've built up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The nation, the the southern kingdom of Judah was prosperous And the leaders were prospering But it was at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable Who they tore into like wild cannibals And took away what they had Unless they paid to play And notice how widespread this evil is in Jerusalem How deep the corruption is It is spread to all levels of leadership Verse 11, the heads, the judges give judgments for a bribe. The priests teach for a price. And the prophets practice divination for money. Cash ruled everything around them. They loved money and used their office like some politicians today use theirs. Not to serve people, but to satisfy their pleasures. And yet... And yet Even with their love of lucre Their love of lettuce They claim to lean on the Lord And say in verse 11 "Is not the Lord in the midst of us So then no disaster shall come upon us Corruption Spread all around Jerusalem through them And yet these leaders looked at what was in the middle of Jerusalem Up on Mount Zion, the temple, the place where the presence of God dwelt in the midst of the people and thought that that would protect them from any harm. I mean, they had money. They had power. They had respect. And last line of defense, they had God. They were fine. They need not fear any threats of judgment That Hayden Old Broke Micah Keep talking about Mm. Mm. They were Partly right They had money They had power They had respects But they did not Have God Mm. And friends you can have all those Other things but if you don't have the Lord On your side your life is An utter ruin And conversely if you don't have any of those things If you ain't got no money And no power If you are dead broke and naked But you truly know the Lord well. Then you rejoice with a joy That is inexpressible and filled with glory mm. yeah. Some of y'all know that this morning mm. These leaders had a faulty view of God That God was with them No matter what mm. They thought their priestly robes And their prophetic roles Would cover up all their perverse practices I mean consider how spiritually blind they were They knew God was in the midst of them And thought that his presence would protect them But they didn't think at all That their sins would provoke him They had the presence of the holy Almighty God in their midst Up on Mount Zion, the same God whose presence years before was in the midst of his people. Up on Mount Sinai, where the Lord appeared in an all-consuming fire and the mountain quaked and the heavens roared, leaving the people afraid as God gave his law. Well, here that same God is in the midst of his people, and yet they aren't afraid at all as they constantly break his law. They believe that God would turn a blind eye to their sin, but a caring eye to their every need. Mm. Does it sound familiar? Friends, God is still in the midst of his people. Amen. Or better, we are in the midst of him. Hmm. But contrary to popular opinion, this is God's world. Amen. And we live in it. Before the omnipresent, everywhere, all the time, God. We live constantly quorum deum before the face of God. Amen. Do you realize that? Believe that? Young people, you might be able to manipulate and work around the filters your parents put on your phones. You might be able to delete a picture or a post. You might be able to sneak around with some girl or guy at school. But do you realize that God is always present? Amen. Married people, you might be able to flirt with that co-worker or somebody out at the store. Well, Without your spouse ever catching wind. But God is aware. Amen. He's there watching. At your job, you might be able to slack for months without your boss ever noticing. On your taxes, you might be able to cheat for years without the IRS ever catching you. But God is in the midst of us. And if we continue in sin, friends, disaster shall come upon us. That's the only right response from a good and a holy God. These leaders were totally blind to that. They thought that God's presence would only bring protection, not punishment. But God, through Micah, was out to tell another story. Judgment was coming. Because of you, Micah says in verse 12, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Jerusalem and even the sacred temple would be destroyed, reduced to rubble. And God's presence, which these people so wrongly trusted in, would be removed as the people would be removed from his presence. From the land and sent into exile The Lord Would desert his people And even his earthly temple For a time If they did not repent Amazingly Micah's Powerful yet unpopular message Struck a chord with some of his listeners Jeremiah Chapter 26 verses 18 and 19 Recounts That it was Micah's words here that caused King Hezekiah to lead Judah to repent and thus the Lord to relent of the disaster that he was going to bring to them. But it was short-lived. Hezekiah's son Manasseh returned to leading the people astray along with all the other rulers till the Lord kept his promise. In 586 BC, Babylon came and ransacked Jerusalem Destroying it and the temple of God Just as God had said Mm -hmm. Judgment would come Because of their corruption Mm -hmm. And it will come Upon us Because of our corruption Our greed Our abuse of authority Our sin Unless one takes it for us Mm -hmm. Which Jesus did Amen Micah's prophecy Prophecy About the destruction of the temple here was, yes, fulfilled in 586 BC, but ultimately pointed to 33 AD, where Jesus Christ, the true temple of God, was plowed down as he gave his life on the cross. It's what he demanded to happen. Destroy this temple, he said, and in three days I will raise it up. This temple, the temple of his body, Was destroyed Jesus was killed Crushed Laid waste for us But in three days He was raised up Resurrected Made alive for us Friends it's easy To read this passage And leave this passage Pointing fingers at these wicked leaders As worthy of judgment But we all are We're as corrupt as they are And we all deserve judgment as they do. And we will all receive it as them unless we trust in the one who received it for us, the Lord Jesus, who laid down his authority and picked up a cross and died for us, who used his authority the way it's supposed to be used for the glory of God and for the good of God's people. Lord, we thank you for your word that convicts of our sin, but it shows us the magnitude of your salvation for us in Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't leave lightly under your word this morning. That we'd consider what your word has to say to each and every one of us. And Lord, that it would lead us to guilt if we are sinners still dead in our sin. Lord, if we are constantly rebelling in sin. But Lord, don't leave us there, we pray. Lead us to the cross. Yes. Oh, Lord, we can lay down our burdens at Jesus' feet. Yes. Where he will accept us not because we are good, but because he is good. Amen. Because he has given his life for us Amen. so that we might be made whole. Yes. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.